boundless compassion, limitless unconditional compassion for all beings, wishing for all beings to be free from the endless round of birth, age, aging, sickness and death, samsara, and replete with great wisdom how to lead others out of samsara. The Buddha himself already transcending suffering, experiencing Nibbāna, but still with a, a mind turned to helping others also to come to experience Nibbāna without choosing between beings. And the purity of the mind, freed from greed, hatred, delusion, all the mental defilements, finally abandoned, uprooted, a completely pure, undefiled, mind, the mind of Nibbāna. We always think of it as something that we have to get or attain. The Buddha reminded us that it's more a question of removing the obstacles to Nibbāna through the practice. And by removing the obstacles we come to realize the truth of the way things are and experience Nibbāna as it is here and now. So rather than getting something or attaining something, it's more a question of clearing away the delusions, the obstacles, and then it's there already. It's as if Nibbāna is already there anyway. We just don't see it, we don't realise it, experience it. Also recollecting the Parinibbāna of the Buddha and being a human being is bound by aging, sickness and death like us. So even a Buddha comes to pass away into Parinibbana, give up the world, give up the body. His final teaching, Pajima Awada, Vaya Dhamma Sankara, Formations are transient, subject to cessation. The word wire means like they disappear, they cease. So the things of this world, body and mind, form, mentality are transient, impermanent. They cease. What's arisen must cease. It's the same word that they used for 
in the time of the Buddha when people paid a bill, paid expenses, expenses, purchased something. They use the same root word, wire. That's the way of the world, isn't it? You earn wealth and money, but you're always paying out wealth and money and losing it. It disappears. As soon as you earn it, you lose it again. And really, you expand that truth, and you see that's the nature of the whole world. What, bo- what is born must die. What arises ceases. Momentary states of mind or physical formations, people, buildings, mountains, whatever arises must cease. Because that's the way of the world, then Apamadena Sampadeta is drive on with heedfulness to bring the path to completion. Be heedful because because the world is impermanent, transient, uncertain, be heedful. You can rely on heedfulness to face the challenge of living in an impermanent, uncertain world. Heedfulness brings the path to fruition. So sila, samadhi, panya come to fruition through heedfulness. That gives you something to rely on in a world that is unreliable. Gives you certainty in the face of uncertainty. Security in the face of insecurity. And the Buddha reminded us that this is the only way for human beings to find real peace, contentment, and an end of all forms of stress and suffering. It's by developing this path with heedfulness and experiencing the fruits and the results in the mind that is liberated from greed, anger, delusion. This is our good fortune as bhikkhus. We have this Vinaya training and the Dhamma teachings available. We have monasteries and quiet places that we can find. And there's still people with faith enough to support bhikkhus in the world. So we should be heedful and mindful of that good fortune not take it for granted or abuse it. We don't know how long we'll be here and how long this good fortune will last, how long the world will be stable enough and peaceful enough to support samanas and practitioners. We don't know how long our good health will last and the opportunities to hear and practice Dhamma. We can't be sure. So heedfulness points us to practice now, right now, today, while we have the chance, because tomorrow is uncertain. Next year is uncertain. 
But we also have to acknowledge we have our own attachments, kilesas, accumulated over many, many lifetimes, affecting our heart all the time. Different kinds of vibhaka come arising in our life, good and bad, mental states arising, volitions arising, pleasant and unpleasant experiences arising. We have to work through all of that. The obstacles that we have to clear away to be able to experience Nibbana, we have to be willing to go through the process of practice and training to clear them away. So we have to have the patience and the willingness to work with ourselves. The Buddha reminded us, like when we come into the monastery or begin the practice, we're just like a log that somebody's pulled out of the river, dumped it on the side, the bank, and it's still soaking wet, not yet suitable to burn for firewood or to use for anything else. You have to let it dry out first. So all of us are drying out, meaning we're letting our accumulated attachment, particularly to sensuality, our obsession with the senses and the objects of the senses in this world, we're letting it all dry out through time and the good effect of living in the forest, living with fellow salmoners, in a peaceful way, in a peaceful place and using the discipline of the Vinaya the techniques of meditation, mindfulness and wisdom, Panya applying all this to help dry our minds out but we also have to be willing to give that process time there's a rare bhikkhu that can dry out just like that we keep having the roots of sensuality flooding back into the mind from time to time. Sometimes it's just a, our own innate karma comes out, even though we're being very disciplined and mindful. Still, moods, desires, attachments, volitions arise that we have to deal with. Other times it's obviously through our own carelessness and we let the mind dwell on unwholesome objects, unrestrained in the discipline or unrestrained in our practice of watching over the mind, not developing right effort. So we let the mind dwell on objects that bring up unwholesome states of mind. We indulge those unwholesome states of mind rather than trying to abandon them. So whether it's our carelessness or just the power of karmic conditioning from the past, we have to be patient and vigilant and heedful to keep working with our own minds, allowing them to dry out, to get used to renunciation, simplicity, peacefulness, 
to develop goodwill, tolerance for others and for difficult conditions and situations we might find in the course of our practice. Develop the patience to deal with different states of mind and then direct the mind to mindfulness, four foundations of mindfulness. Keep returning to paying attention to body with mindfulness, feeling with mindfulness, the mind with mindfulness, and dhammas, mind objects, wholesome and unwholesome, with mindfulness. Training in that, keep bringing up mindfulness over and over again through our day, through our life. so that we can have enough equanimity to contemplate. With mindfulness comes equanimity, the calm, the balance, the centeredness of mind that we can contemplate and see body as body, feelings as feelings, mind as mind, dhammas as dhammas. Whenever we bring up a moment of mindfulness, then it establishes the quality of just knowing with equanimity that particular phenomena that we're experiencing, whatever we're turning to, giving us insight, starting to reveal the truth that body is impermanent, unsatisfactory, not self. Feelings, mind, mind objects, the same. Any time we devote the mind, bring up the effort to establish mindfulness, calm the mind, establish equanimity, and then we can do that. We can see the objects of our mindfulness for what they are, as an Icha Dukkha Anatta. And this is what liberates the mind from kilesa, greed, anger, delusion. Changes the way we relate to the world. We can see any aspect of this body as an ichidukha anatta. That wisdom is so pure and liberating, it will naturally transfer or move on to other aspects of the same body different body parts, different aspects, and even going to external phenomena, other people's bodies in the material world. We can see are the same, made of the same material, same substance, subject to the same conditioning process, arise, pass away, impermanent, not self. So little by little the mind is building up a picture, an understanding that changes the way it relates to this body and to the bodies and the material world around us. This is what mindfulness does. Mindfulness, clear comprehension, right effort, directed to phenomena that brings this result, the seeing of an Dukkha Anatta. 
when practiced repeatedly over and over again, then we're repeatedly liberating the mind from delusion. It brings its result in terms of liberation or enlightenment. Well, it's the Bojanga, the seven factors of enlightenment. Establish mindfulness, investigate the Dhamma, brings forth effort, energy, brings forth pity, rapture, prasati, tranquility of body and mind, samadhi, the equanimity and one-pointedness, and then equanimity itself, peka. Both as an object of mindfulness, that's the Dhamma, that's the fourth foundation of mindfulness, understanding how the factors of enlightenment affect each other and how they arise. But also as the experience itself, liberating the mind. We understand how unwholesome states arise, nivarana, hindrances. We understand how they cease through the practice. We understand how the bojanga factors arise and we understand the liberating, liberating effect of them. Little by little, this practice of mindfulness and then contemplation or investigation of the Dhamma is freeing the mind from delusion. It changes the mind, the way the mind experiences the world, physical and mental phenomena. Changes the outlook, the attitudes, the view, the whole experience, incrementally, little by little. But we have to give the practice the time. You can't force a log of a wet log to dry out just like that. At the very least, it has to receive some heat, the sunlight, the light of wisdom. The light of experience, it's like the sunlight on the log, drying it out. You can only speed that process up so much, even with the brightest, strongest sunlight, it still has to reach, penetrate into the center of the log, which might still be rotten and wet. So the penetrating light of wisdom has to really sink in deeply into the center of the mind center of our consciousness. So that's why we call it practice, you know, over and over again practicing, using the discipline to restrain the kilesas, bringing up mindfulness, establishing it over and over again, calming the mind, bringing it to equanimity, investigating the Dhamma, penetrating the Dhamma, realizing the end of suffering by uprooting attachment, craving. Little by little, the whole experience of the world is changing. So today's Patimokha day, I won't say any more than this. Just give you these words of encouragement and we can 
stop now and prepare for the Patimukha. Mm-hmm.